Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good friend, Seth. Seth Robinson, where are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, you know, basking in the uh, afterglow of our Patriots Super Bowl victory last Sunday. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to say? I mean... The enthusiasm you have there. I, well. I'm not against it. There's just, it's like I said when, you know, last time we talked that I, you know, congratulated you for them being there, but it's sort of not news. It's it's hard to feel one way or another about it for, for a non-fan. I suppose that's true. You could learn to just appreciate the pure awesomeness of it. But, I do appreciate you know. it. I've told you that before, but it still doesn't <laughs> translate to enthusiasm. I know, I know, I know. But that's kind of what's been going on in my world. So watched the game and then had a and I had a relatively quiet week. Otherwise, how you doing? Yeah, it's been, uh, it feels like it's been kind of a long week. You know, we survived the polar vortex here in Chicago last week. And I think that kind of got in everyone's head. Like no one really knew what a couple days of negative 50 was going to do and we got through it and now it's just sort of been recovering from that you know we were all cooped up in our house for a couple of days so we're nobody, coming out nobody, into the world again nobody froze your pipes stayed flowing and all of that yeah yeah i had i had no problems so that was good i, I was glad to not have some major catastrophe to deal with yeah, I mean, it was cold here in the single digits, but it certainly didn't get down to that ridiculousness. So I'm glad that was almost like living on a different planet or something. So today we're going to talk some research because you've got a new study um, that is, I believe, going to be live to the public next week, if I'm correct. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And that's going to be about uh, the Internet of Things, which is Obviously not a topic that we are uh, exploring for the first time. We've looked at it in other studies, and it, it kind of becomes a, a bit of discussion around a number of different uh, pieces of content and topics that we bring up over the course of the years. And um, But this is a, is a pretty inclusive study about you know where we're at right now from a trends perspective, adoption, and I believe you, we're talking about at the end user level, correct? Um, so IT pros and organizations in their use of IoT and... I'll leave it to you to give us a little bit of a wrap on things, and then we can kind of dive into some of the details. Sure. You said we've looked at this before, uh, and it fits in with the overarching trend of emerging technology that CompT has been trying to focus on. Uh, I would say that the way we tend to classify it is kind of everything up to and including cloud computing tends to be established technology and and things that most companies are adopting uh, and using in some way. And obviously, there's an adoption curve there uh, and being more mature in the technology. uh, But it's it's, it's moving towards table stakes. Internet of Things is probably the first one on the other side of that line, where it's been around for a little while. uh, People are using it. Adoption still isn't super broad, but it's it's becoming established more so than artificial intelligence or any of the other, you know, really cutting edge stuff that we might talk about. So I, I think the the first thing that people kind of want to know is how many companies are are doing this. And I, I mentioned that adoption isn't completely off the charts yet. Uh, and actually, compared to a couple of years ago when we did this study. The needle doesn't seem like it's moved all that much, uh, and that could be uh, a result of the way that people interpret, you know, what we're asking, or or the way that they understand the technology. 
but I don't know how surprised I was by it. You know, you and I always get the question whenever we are talking to people on, uh, in the media about these, about, you know, what was surprising to you in this study? And I, I feel like the adoption rate is not surprising to me. I feel like if you're if you're reading about what companies are doing just generally, not not even having you know done any kind of formal survey, you can kind of see that not every one of these trends is automatically becoming as accessible as something like cloud computing was. And in fact, I think the more we look at cloud computing, the more it kind of looks like the outlier in terms of the way it was adopted. That you know. Typically, these technology trends do take quite a while to adopt, especially if there are things like standards involved, where which there certainly are with with IoT. Cloud computing, you know, really happened to storm out of the gate, uh, and I think that got people believing that technology adoption in the future was also going to be that rapid. And we're seeing with IoT that that's not the case. And I think some of the other studies that I probably do this year are going to show that that's not the case. Um, so we, we've got maybe about a quarter of companies that say that they've got some kind of IoT initiative at production level. But one of the things that we've talked about in all of our IoT studies is the complexity of the ecosystem. You've got these devices, all of the things that are are part of this trend. Um, and we've got sensors all over the place and they're all connected and you've got the networking, but then you also have the software layer that's really needed for all of it to work together. Uh, and then you have the standards that I mentioned that are not really in place yet. Uh, and then because all of these things are happening at scale, a lot of companies might not choose to build out their own like IoT system. And so they're, they're just going to use a service where it might be collecting data from somewhere else, presenting them with the data, and then they can do something with that, you know, without having to build out their own, their own network. So there are all these different moving pieces of IoT. And I think that that is what's causing, you know, some of the relatively slow adoption that might be different than what people are expecting. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either, to, to be told. And I think you're spot on when you sort of single out cloud as a bit of an anomaly in terms of the, the fast adoption uh, that the industry underwent. And, and you cannot apply that same um, trajectory to the other emerging technologies that are out there. And I think IoT fits into this bucket. Um, so I, I absolutely think that as you do further studies with AI and some of the other emerging techs, you're probably going to see the same pace of adoption that you're seeing with IoT, or at least similar, um, as compared to the really rapid adoption that we saw with cloud. And I, I think that you're you're definitely correct in, in that. I was sort of, um, in looking at the report, I was sort of struck by, um, there was a point where you talk about the connection between strategy and product. Um, and I think that that's interesting because I do think, to your point here, the whole concept of IoT is so much more than a product. And, and we talk about this, this kind of blows up into our bigger sort of trends for 2019, how it's not just one next big thing anymore. It's everything is interrelated in the technology stack and and in the newly digital world, and we have to figure out ways where things um, are able to work together and are related. And so you can't just look to a point product anymore. And I think IoT is an, a really good example of that. Um, and in order to be effective with IoT, there has to be a big strategy wrapped around it. And you know, if you could talk a little bit about that, because I think that really gets to the nut here of what we're talking about when we try to explain why adoption might not be super rapid, is that this is very multifaceted. Um, and if you're as an organization really going to adopt IoT in a comprehensive way, you have to think of it much 
more beyond the productization and the sensors and those sorts of things and, and, and kind of have a higher level strategy around your, how you're going to adopt IoT and use it? Right, right. I, I think that that whole division between strategy and product is probably something that's worth exploring even deeper outside of this study. But it definitely came to mind when I was looking at what was what was happening with IoT. And I think one of the ways that that distinction manifests itself is when you ask companies, how are you approaching your IoT initiatives? Is it like another part of the IT department? Or is it something that was happening across the business and now you're trying to add technology? And and most people say it's the latter one, that it, it, it's not just an IT project that's getting done. They're taking a business process like uh, inventory management or vehicle management or understanding about your customers, and they're trying to add new technology into it. So that makes it much more of a strategic venture. The money tends to come from different places. It's not just looked at uh, as IT budget where IoT needs to get built out of. And so I think that companies really do need to transform their thinking on the way that they're approaching technology. And, and they're definitely beginning to. And we talk about this a lot when we talk about digital transformation, that it's not just viewing the technology the same way that they have for a long time and treating it like typical IT and wanting to drive costs down. You know, Instead, uh, this is going to be a strategic business initiative, uh, and there might have to be a different way of calculating ROI and different parts of the organization are going to be involved in that discussion. Yeah, I was going to highlight that part. So now you've got, you know, the, you're bringing so many different entities to the table. It's not just the IT department. It's whoever was running inventory management um, in the first place who is probably coming out of a business function within the organization now is trying to retrofit or add technology in the form of some IoT um, product or um, piece of software, whatever it happens to be. And they've got to start working with the IT department to get that done. So not only is this sort of nuts and bolts stuff about adding technology, but you're talking about some of maybe even the soft skills involved here of interdepartmental work. Um, we see that a lot with just the, the change in the type of buyers who are just going and buying technology today, being more line of business folks. And so now you're seeing within companies having to have these different departments talk to one another. And then is it a strategic project? Is it an IT project? I could see how that could create some confusion and um, accountability issues perhaps within an organization. Yeah, probably. I, you know, I, I think that that's very much part of what we see a lot of organizations going through is trying to figure out what are the rules and responsibilities here. One question that both of us get, you know, quite a bit is what's going to happen to the IT department in the future or maybe the IT solution provider? You know, do, does IT kind of go away or, you know, are the business units just going to step up and do all the technology themselves? And I, I think pretty consistently we see that the IT department, the IT function is going to continue to be there as a standalone function and it really has to transform and become more strategic along with the tactical pieces that it's doing. But here with IoT, there, there's just more examples of that where even though it's not a specific IT project, there is a lot of responsibility that's going to fall to IT to build out that system and support that system and to do the technical pieces of it, even if the some of the business integration might end up falling into some business units. And, and I think with skills, another thing that wasn't really surprising to me, but might go against the grain of uh, some common thinking is 
companies aren't necessarily going out and looking for IoT-specific skills, or, or they're not trying to fill IoT-specific roles. You, you can certainly go out there to job postings and find IoT architect or IoT security engineer or something that would have IoT in the title, but most companies aren't going to have the wherewithal to do that. Uh, they're, they're going to have to work within the resources they have. Uh, and so when you look at the skills that companies say they need for IoT, uh, the, the top skills that are mentioned are IT security, data management, networking, some, some things that companies have probably been doing for a while already, uh, and they recognize that they just need to improve those skills. Uh, and the, the top thing that they think they're going to do to improve their skills is train their current employees rather than go out and hire some new people. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people that have been working in technology field for a while, whether that's internal IT department or a third-party solution provider, whatever that specialization is, whether it's security or networking or device management, that can be extended into an IoT strategy. And it might require a little bit more partnering, you know, or talking across the office to people that have other specializations because you've got so much complexity in the ecosystem. Um, but it's not like you have to drop everything and build from scratch IoT skills or an IoT practice. Right. I mean, I think there are two things that, that jump out at me is that as the main uh, areas of skill to have when it comes to IoT. And one is the ability to do good data analytics, because what, what is the point of putting these systems in place if not to then take the data that is collected from these devices and sensors, et cetera, and do something actionable with it? And that's going to better your business. Otherwise, we're just monitoring a whole bunch of stuff, but we're not doing anything with the information that we're gathering. So, like you said, those types of skills may already, in many cases, exist within an organization. It has data analytics capabilities. Now we're just shape-shifting them over to, to, to a new field. And then the other thing, which you devote quite a bit of, um, of copy to in, in the report, is the area of security. And, you know, we've all heard the, you know, the major gaffes that have happened to, you know, um, in the headlines um, to, you know, IoT uh, security problems that have that have come up over things as simple as, as resetting passwords and things that have, you know, were factory issued for some of these sensors who, that are then put into place and no one touches them again, realizing that they can be easily hacked um, and that sort of thing. So I think, um, most companies, at least, let's hope today, have um, have security skills in-house, or at least they're working with a firm outside, a third-party solution provider, whoever it is, that is providing them with good security advice and compliance advice. Um, but those two areas seem to me to be the ones that are going to be have, have to be most taken advantage of to fully use the IoT implementation. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen some good progress on security with you know companies not just wanting to push the envelope with technology or, or or get on the cutting edge they they recognize that they have to secure whatever those systems are and and because they're pushing into new technology it's probably going to take new security so i i think we're seeing some good progress there uh, and there are definitely some iot specific things to consider uh, with security, one of them would be the vendors. Probably the biggest one is the vendors because if you're getting all of these things that didn't used to have chips in them or sensors, and mm-hmm. now these companies are trying to put those in there, you know, the question is, is that vendor of that previously, you know, not smart product coming up to speed on cybersecurity as much as they would need to? So that's, you know, it's very similar to 
asking questions of your cloud provider as, as companies were doing cloud migrations. You have to know the right questions to ask of the vendors of these products that uh, you're, you're getting and putting into a network. So uh, security is definitely a, a big issue. Uh, and again, we're seeing good progress there, but there's probably some more progress to go. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I was saying that what you were just saying about being able to vet the vendors correctly and making sure you're working with the right providers, like we had with cloud providers in the past, that to me is just a, is a, is a huge opportunity area for a solution provider type um, or an IT consultant that you can work with on a third-party basis to be able, because they provide that role today with trying to vet out a lot of software as a service applications and ISVs to work with and cloud providers to work with. And the same could be done for making sure that they help connect an end user with the right type of IoT vendor that's going to be meeting their needs and, and meeting all of the security and compliance types of considerations that they have to deal with. Um, so again, if you're out there in a, in a channel capacity, this is a, a, good, um, a good portfolio area to focus on. Yeah. Yeah, tons of opportunity here. The, the full report uh, probably will go live today, actually. Um, oh, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll do some promotion around it next week. So people will probably see, start seeing it on our social channels. Um, but for anyone listening today, I think you'll be able to go to the website and check it out. Um, hopefully I'll have the link in the show notes. And we're you know, pretty excited to see how this uh, works within our membership. Uh, you know, either the people that are selling technology or the people that are working on technology, you know, how, how do some of these data points resonate with them? Uh, are they seeing some of these same things? Are their companies you know, moving forward with IoT or are they not? I think that you know, we're at a good place where we've got you know, the data in our study and now we can go out and, and meet with our membership and, and other people in the industry and kind of see what's happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And you said you've got another um, emerging tech report coming up uh, around artificial intelligence. Is that right? Yep, I think, I think that's the next one coming down the pipe. Okay, cool. We'll have to keep that one in mind. So, you know, not to, to segue too sharply here, but there was a, a New York Times article this week that I forwarded on to you, which kind of fits in a little bit in this whole discussion about um, emerging technology uh, and it's specific to automation and some of the tools that are being used in organizations today, specifically AI, um, and which is the next report that you're going to be working on in terms of a tech report. Um, and and it was it was a bit um, well eye opening, I guess. And it talks about the labor workforce and how something like automation. We've all been hearing the gloom and doom about how robots, et cetera, are going to put everybody out of work. But what what this report and what this article was was talking about is how it is really um, the the rise of automation is going to have the effect of and it already has in some industries of really creating a dividing line between workers um, and a sharp one where there is going to be a small percentage of today's workers that will continue to reap the benefits and rewards of all of the new technology um, will be making the majority of the salaries and will be highly productive. And then a much larger share of the broad-based workforce will be residing in less productive, uh, lower-wage jobs. And, um, you know, for me, it was just sort of like, wow, you know, how do we overcome this? Because I think the, the, the promise, and I mean, there was the fear of automation taking jobs, but there was also this promise of some of these new tools be, being able to 
boost productivity in such a way that it frees up workers to be doing even more strategic things. And what this story really wrote about was that that isn't necessarily going to be the case. You're going to have that small cream of the crop that will continue to reap benefits, but then you're going to have the majority of the workforce that's going to be sort of stagnant in these lower productive, lower wage jobs. I mean, I think that some of the the promise that you mentioned of, of freeing up workers is is focused a little bit on workers that already have some of these high skills, right? Um, you know, we're, we're talking about taking uh, a server admin and and allowing them to do um, more strategic things rather than just have to do routine server maintenance. Um, I, I think that's a different thing than taking somebody that's waiting tables and getting them into technology. Um, and I, I think w whichever way it is, um, or whichever discussion you're having, the the main theme of this article holds holds true, which is, I don't know that we know exactly what technology is going to do to us. You know, they, they kind of made the point that a lot of the economists that have tried to predict how this technology wave is going to go have pointed back to the industrial revolution. And yeah. this one seems to be going different than that one. Um, I, I guess my initial take on it is a little bit eye-opening, like you said, but also maybe not all that shocked, right? To say, well, we're pointing back to the industrial revolution, but like how many other work disruptions have there been and do they all look the same so maybe every time you have a technology disruption you're going to have a disruption and like something's going to happen and it's going to have to be figured out but there's no model for it uh, there's no best practices yeah i think that might have been the danger is that everybody thinks that there's a blueprint and that so this is what happened in the industrial revolution and this is what happened in this um in this iteration of change due to technology and it always turned out this way so therefore that's how it should happen again maybe that's the misstep that we're making yeah maybe maybe so i i feel like i was reading this and and this might not have been the, the author's intent, but it, it feels a little bit like it's attacking technology. Like, look what technology is doing. You know, isn't this bad? And I have a little bit of reaction to that of saying, like, well, what uh, what is technology supposed to do? You know, technology yeah. is going to move forward. And then there are some, you know, responsibilities. Uh, and so the more I thought about it, the more I kind of thought, well, maybe maybe one of the responsibilities and one of the actions that would have to be taken here is a really new internal approach to bringing people on board and training them. You know, we, we've looked at this a lot in the foundation. We had Charles Eaton on as a guest of one of ours uh, earlier. And I know he looks a lot at what companies are doing for their workforce. You know, are they looking to bring in those perfect candidates or are they willing to bring in someone that might not have the skills and then the company itself does some work to skill them up? And I I could see that being one area to push on if, you know, this article and, and what this article is saying is kind of coming true. That, you know, technology is really disrupting this stuff and there's no pathways for getting these people from low skilled into high skilled. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that this is there's some corporate responsibility here that's that's going to have to take place. And and uh, I to echo what you said at the very beginning of your comments here. I'm I did get the sort of uh, knock on technology um, take from this particular author as well. And it, unfortunately, that it can't be based in reality because technology is going to march on. But um, to your point about companies, 
um, yes, I think I think if, they are going to have to be willing to make those investments in training, I think, because the pool of people that are just going to automatically have these skills is not going to exist. And if we want to expand it beyond, like I said at the beginning and re- referencing this article, this tiny little group that already has these skills or is easily um, moved toward them, um, we're, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to want to open this, open these doors up to more of the general workforce. And to do so is going to require a little bit of lift on the part of, of, of companies and other entities out there that are willing to, to at least to take a chance and invest on, invest in people and see that they can get them to the skills area that they need to be. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh... It's definitely a, a real issue, a real economic issue, and uh, you know, unfortunately, with some of the other missteps that the the technology industry has had, you know, this this kind of piles onto that. Um, even if you know, as we're saying, technology is kind of a neutral thing, and then it's just a matter of you know what what are companies doing about it, whether it's the the companies that are producing that technology or even the companies that are just using it. Yeah. I think we got to find ourselves a guest for an upcoming volley. What do you think? We can talk about the ethics of this and and how it impacts the workforce. And there's got to be some uh, talking head out there we can have on to help us with this discussion. Probably so. Probably someone that uh, knows this space a lot better than we do. Yeah, probably. But it's it's it's. I think this is a perennial. We could talk about this all year long and and beyond. So we'll keep it keep it on the back burner. All right, my friend. So I think we're wrapped here for the uh, for the week. Um, I hope you enjoy your weekend. Yeah, thanks. You too. Thanks for sending that article over. And uh, just a reminder to everyone to look for the new study today or next week. Yep, sounds good. All right, catch you next time. Yeti, bye-bye. Bye.